if there is a God, how do you think he or she or they feels about you? Like maybe they like you a little bit, maybe maybe even say they love you because, you know, they have to, they're, they're God, kind of like a teacher has to like all their students. But if there's a God, do you feel like he's, he, that he cares about you, that he's for you? Usually we don't feel that way because if there is a God, then he seems to be against the things I want to do and even against the person I really am deep down. But who told us that? Not God. Often, it's church people. But we've got it all wrong. God loves us. God likes us. God cares about us. God is for us even before we are for him. And the church was originally created to be a living example of this truth. So how can we rediscover the church's true role? It requires us to reimagine church. So let's talk about it together. When we read what Jesus actually said and did, we discover that God is for much more than he is against. But for some reason, we feel like it's the other way around. Like anything I like, God's against. And anyone who doesn't fit the certain mold or image, well then, he's also against them. But where does that come from? Again, it doesn't come from God. No, it comes from often comes from people who assume that being against anything that is irreligious or unholy or secular gets them closer to God, gets them on God's good side. So they stand up for Christian values and they fight and they argue and they coerce by any means possible because, you know, those means justify the ends because the end is fighting against what God is against. And most of the time, and you know this, they're not fighting for God. It's either a veiled hypocrisy. They're trying to put a spotlight on someone else doing the same thing they are feeling guilty about doing, or they're fighting for their own prejudices and disguising it as fighting for God. See, Christians often seem like jerks because they use God to justify their own prejudices and hang-ups. And as a result, as the author Jeff Henderson said, the church has become known for what it's against. Whether it's being against different political parties or LGBTQ people or being against like science and abortion and, and alcohol and equal rights for everyone and even being against other religions and even being against fun. And the message that is sent is that you are, if you are for any of those things, then the church is against you. And by extension, God is against you. It's almost impossible to believe that God is for you when his church is against you. But the reality is, and listen to this, the reality is God is for everyone. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And Jesus came and died for who? for the world. And if someone will die for you, they are undeniably for you. And as we saw last time, the church was created to be a guide on the road back to our Heavenly Father, to shine a light on the goodness and the kindness and the love of God. And this might be hard to for some of you to believe, but the church is God's gift for the world he loves. I'll let Jesus explain it in one of his most famous teachings. See, the apostle Matthew compiled Jesus' main teachings in what is now called the, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus explains what the kingdom of God is and, and what it looks like. And the point that we're going to read, Jesus has just explained who makes up the kingdom of God, right? The, the poor, the, the humble, the merciful, the peacemakers. And then he says, you, my followers, these people I just described, this is what you actually are. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. So Jesus says his followers are the salt of the earth. And we've heard it so much, we're like, oh yeah, salt of the earth. 
Like, that's a weird analogy. Like, what does that even mean for people to be salt of the earth? Well, there's actually a lot of interpretations about it. One of them is salt back then was used a lot as a preservative, so it keeps food from decay. But another use for salt, what's it, what salt's always been used for, still is today, is that salt adds flavor. Salt just makes food better. It makes it more enjoyable. Like food without salt, it's, it's bland and tasteless and uninteresting and just plain boring. So when Jesus told his followers that they were the salt of the earth, he's saying, look, as my followers, you add flavor to the world. You bring out the good. You make the world and people's lives better. The church exists to make people's lives better. See, Jesus offers a rich and full and abundant and satisfying life. And the church is the guide to the source of that life. Jesus himself. Not to, the church's job isn't to bring judgment and a list of rules so that we fit the mold for Jesus. No, the church's role is to show that God loves you. God is for you. And you can have true and full abundant life through him. It's not always an easier life, but it's better. And we can find freedom and peace and joy and a, a relationship and hope and full life. We can enjoy being fully known and fully loved by God himself. In fact, following Jesus, as Pastor Andy Stanley says, it makes, us, makes our life better and makes us better at life. If that's the case, though, if that's the role of the church to show people all of this and, and offer it to them, why aren't people rushing to be part of the church? Because when they encounter the church, when they encounter church people, they don't find flavorful salt. They find flavorless salt, which actually doesn't even exist. Think about it. What can look like salt, but isn't salty? It's not a riddle. It's sand. And what good is sand? Sand's pretty kind of pointless if you think about like our everyday lives, right? We don't do anything with it. Sure, kids can play in it, maybe build some sand castles that don't last, so it's pointless. It can be annoying. You ever get sand in your food? You get too much? I mean, that's not even healthy, is it? And it's ignorable. Like, oh, you don't call the kids over, guys, look at this little bit of sand. It doesn't taste like anything. Don't eat, don't stop eating it. But it's, it's like you can just ignore it. It doesn't play a role in our lives. It isn't good for anything but to really walk on and maybe stick your toes in every once in a while and then brush it off and forget about it. And instead of adding salty flavor and set the satisfaction of Jesus to the world, the church has become known for being sandy, pointless, annoying, ignorable. I mean, but have you ever, maybe in your life, maybe while you're watching this, have you ever met a salty Jesus follower or a salty church? What did you experience? Something better. You experienced Jesus, love and joy and, and peace and acceptance and maybe, hopefully, even fun. And then to kind of make his point even further, Jesus gives another analogy. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Now his followers are a light. Like, what, is, what does that mean? Well, what does light do? Light allows us to see reality for what it really is. And the reality is, the, the true reality, is that you were created in the image of God. And God loves you and likes you and cares about you. And God is for you. He wants us to have a relationship with him. But something that the biblical writings call sin, this power that makes us do things we don't want to do and, and not do the things we want to do, has broken 
that relationship with God. And Jesus came to fix it. And he conquered sin and, and its result, death, by rising from the dead. Now he offers to fix and restore that relationship with us for free, simply by trusting him. That's what the reality of the universe really is. And without light, people get lost and they, they stumble and, and fall. They get separated from each other. And you can't even, if it's dark, you can't even see the beauty of the world around you. And in the same way, the church's role is to illuminate and radiate God's love. And think about it. Light doesn't just keep to itself, right? You don't just light up something and it just lights up this one little spot. No, light reaches every corner and there's there's nothing in its way it just keeps going the church should be as easy to ignore and as helpful as high beams on a on a dark highway so how how do we shine this light that jesus is talking about in the same way let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father jesus says let your good deeds shine out well what are what are good deeds like reading our Bible and, and praying and, and going to church and singing some songs and, and listening politely. I mean, there's nothing wrong with those, but how are those doing anyone else any good? To shine is to be for others, to love with our actions and our words, to serve and share and support and encourage, to make other people's lives better. That's to shine our light. And when we are actually for others, it illuminates and clearly shows who God really is. People know God is for them when God's people are for them. And that's why at the church I'm a part of, Cross Creek Community Church, we have decided that we are for our neighbors. We're for our city. We are for Salem. It's an idea we didn't make up. We got from that author, Jeff Henderson, I mentioned earlier. See, as Jeff Henderson said, for too long, the church has been known for what it's against. It's been trying to win some culture war for the last 30, 40 years. It's been trying to impose strict a strict set of rules and values that our society wants nothing to do with because of the hypocrisy and the prejudice and the judgment that comes with them. For too long, the church has been an ex- has been seen as an exclusive religious club that is only concerned about the insider and what's happening in its own holy huddle. The church has been too concerned about what happens within its own four walls for an hour on Sunday and not about their neighbors who might never enter those walls. We want to change that. And first, if you don't call yourself a Jesus follower, maybe you've kind of left the church, but you're looking for something, which is why you're watching or listening to this. If you've ever felt like God is against you because some Christian or some church has been against you, I apologize because that was not Jesus. That was a flavorless, lightless church. That was not the ecclesia. That was not the community of Jesus followers. It was pointless sand. It was a quickly fading glow-in-the-dark sticker. God is for you. The church was created for you. We are for you. The community of Cross Creek Community Church is for you. We created a whole church really just for you. So maybe keep watching, keep listening, come see us in person, keep asking your questions, keep investigating. Let us prove that God is for you by allowing us to be for you. Remember, God is for way more than he is against, and he is absolutely for you. And at Cross Creek Community Church, we decided we are going to be known for what we are for. The same thing Jesus is for. Our neighbors. All of them. It's time for the church to be known for what it is for. People.
And when we say we're for Salem and maybe you see a hat or a shirt or something and you see it written somewhere that Cross Creek is for Salem, that isn't some nice slogan. It's not like it's just a gimmicky catchphrase. It's who we are. It's why we exist. To invite our neighbors to discover, enjoy, and share the life Jesus offers together because God is for them. So how do we actually be for Salem, both individually and together as a community? Well, first, to be for Salem, let's read what I just read, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Remind ourselves of who we are. That should be a regular thing that we are reading, even memorizing of this is what we are designed to be, to add flavor, to make life better, and to illuminate and radiate God's love. And then pray for and act on opportunities to be for others. When our goal, think about it, when our goal is to be for others and we are looking for it, opportunities start showing up. So how can you be individually for your neighbors? How can you individually be for Salem? Well, people you know, like, be a real friend. Be present. Like, pursue relationships. Not, not to see them as a project because I want them to love Jesus. No, because God loves them, and so now you love them. Eat with them. Drink with them. Hang out with them. Actually, be for them. And stop focusing on what might divide you from somebody. Focus on what unites you both. Serve them even if you think they deserve it or not. Remember, there's a verse that says, God sends the rain on the just and the unjust. He blesses all of us with the creation he's, he's given. So we can bless others, whether they, we think they deserve it or not. And I'm sure you can think of some of your own ways and your own context in life that you can be for others. And those are, those are awesome things. Even 30 people living that life out individually in a, in a city like ours in Salem would make a huge difference for a lot of people. But... One grain of salt might, you know, add some flavor, put it on your tongue, like, ooh, that's kind of salty. But what's better? A bunch of salt crystals flavoring and enhancing an entire feast. One little candle, it can, it can light up a room, kind of. You can, if you get close to it, you can kind of read by it. But what's better? What about 50 LED flashlights pointing in the same direction? We can make a huge difference when we are for our neighbors together. So how can we be for Salem, for our neighbors together? Well, one way is to participate in For Salem events and opportunities. When we regularly go and, and serve our community by cleaning up a school or, or a park, or when we collect donations for, for our neighbors who are in need. Those are ways that we show our neighbors there is a whole community that is for them because God is for them. That's why we even have like the swag. like We have shirts and, and some hats and, and bracelets and, and car decals that say For Salem. Not Cross Creek is for Salem. It just says for Salem. It's because we're not trying to advertise our church. But we're trying to let people know that there is a community that is for them. And if you're wearing something or they somebody sees like, what is that for Salem? I like that. You say, oh, that's just my church. You know, we, often the church is known for what it's against. We want to be known for what we're for. And we are for Salem because God is for Salem. Imagine, what if we were so salty and so shiny that people who weren't even for us, for our church, or they don't even think they're for Jesus, knew that we were for them. Like when someone heard you were a part of the Cross Creek community, they knew that they could expect you to be somebody that is for them, somebody that truly cares about them. Like what if our individual neighbors were so afraid that we would move because we have how much we were for them? 
What if people who have never stepped foot and may never step foot in a church service were terrified Cross Creek would, would leave for some reason because of how much we have been for them, because of how much their lives have improved, because we as a community have been for them? What if the city actually knew God was for them because of because our church, Cross Creek Community Church, was for them? Not so they think we're great, but so that they can see how much God loves them and cares for them and is for them. Lives would be transformed and the city would never be the same. We are for Salem because God is for Salem. And together we can make an eternal impact. Hey, thanks for watching and listening and, and checking us out, especially if it's your first time. If you liked what you saw, please click like and even subscribe so you don't miss another episode. We are a church in Salem, Oregon, and you can check us out at yourcrosscreek.com. And always, we love questions and comments and getting to know people, so please email us at info at yourcrosscreek.com. Until then, stay classy, Salem.